Welcome to the Energy Environment Economy Podcast, a production of the Environmental Business Council of New England. My name is Anne Geisinger. I'm Executive Director at EBC and your host for this episode. Here at Energy Environment Economy, we talk about the business of the environment, from offshore wind to brownfields redevelopment, emerging contaminants, green infrastructure, the list goes on. This is the final episode of our three-part series highlighting the winners of EBC's Annual Ascending Leader Award, an award that was established in 2017 to highlight the incredible emerging leaders in the energy and environmental industries. The winners are coming together across three podcast episodes to talk about their careers and about the work they do within the energy and environmental industries. And hopefully this conversation and these other conversations are helpful to those exploring careers in this sector. This final conversation is with Abby Neck, a professional engineer and senior engineer with Epsilon Associates, and Deanna Sassarossi, principal sustainability analyst with EPRI, the Electric Power Research Institute. Deanna has been engaged with the EBC's Ascending Professionals Committee for many years, and I really appreciate that both of you have joined today. Thank you so much. Hey, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. The idea for this episode is for the two of you to reflect on the educational opportunities that you both pursued and kind of drill into what you see as all the different paths forward for folks who might be interested in a career in the environment. Um, I know there's a lot of different pathways you can take and just hearing from people's own personal experiences is really helpful. So we can get started by just learning a little bit more about how you both got to where you are today. Abby, tell us a little bit about, you know, where you started, what were you thinking in high school, where did your education take you, and you got to where you are today as a professional engineer? Sure. Oh, I wasn't prepared to go all the way back to high school. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you don't have to, but sometimes it's helpful. <laughs> Just in high school, I'm when I was graduating, I was planning on pursuing a degree in chemical engineering from the start. So I ended up graduating in 2017 from Worcester Polytechnic Institute with degrees in chemical engineering and professional writing. After school, I joined Epsilon Associates, an environmental engineering and consulting company specializing in securing regulatory approvals for real estate, energy, and infrastructure projects. And I had previously interned there between my junior and senior years in college. I initially joined Epsilon's air quality and acoustics group, and I actually spent the first few months out in the field conducting noise measurements. Um, but right around the time that I joined the company, Epsilon began working on the federal and state permitting of Vineyard Wind One, the nation's first commercial scale offshore wind project. So I first became involved in Vineyard Wind One through estimating the air emissions associated with the construction and operation of that project. And in order to do that, I needed to understand all of the potential emission sources that were involved in an offshore wind project. And that entailed considerable coordination with the developer's engineering team. And that's how I learned how an offshore wind project is constructed <laughs> and operated from start to finish. Right, yeah. And then from there, I became heavily involved in the federal permitting of several offshore wind projects. And I was put in charge of drafting the project description and performing resource analyses for five different construction and operations plans, which is a, a several thousand page permit application submitted to the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management. And then during my six years working on federal permitting at Epsilon, we overcame a lot of challenges and it was extremely rewarding. Uh, having spent four years permitting uh, Vineyard Wind 1 for them to start delivering power to the grid earlier this month. So that was a really yeah. awesome milestone to hit. Yeah, that's really cool. 
So you actually knew when you were in high school that you wanted to do chemical engineering. Well, <laughs> maybe a little less intentional than that. I knew I wanted engineering for sure. But my guidance counselor at the time, she had this form and we had to have monthly meetings. And every every meeting she asked, what do I want to be when I grow up? And I was at the age of 16, a little frustrated because I've thought, well, how am I supposed to know what I want to do for a career at the age of 16? So eventually to appease her, because I liked math and chemistry, I, I wrote down chemical engineering and I, I used that to guide me into the college thinking that I would change my major a thousand times before I graduated. And then I started my coursework and realized that I actually really did love chemical engineering. So it's kind of a happy accident, but that's where I ended up. So your frustration with your guidance counselor led to your current uh, career. That's very interesting. (laughs) And what about you, Deanna? So you, thinking back, you know, what did you, what were you thinking when you were thinking about your future and how did that inform your educational choices? I remember um, in high school taking one of those quizzes that, you know, tells you what you should do as a career based on your interests, talents, that kind of thing. And I remember my result was conservation scientist. So I actually feel like I got pretty close. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that led me to, uh, I'm from the South. I'm from North Carolina. I went to North Carolina State University um, and I studied natural resources. I did a bunch of different things in college, worked in a, a bunch of different labs, um, a plant biology lab. I spent a summer collecting plant data. I worked in a geology lab. I had a summer research internship at uh NOAA, uh, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration in Boulder, Colorado, looking at uh, uh, climate science and climate policy. So I always knew I was like interested in, in this environmental area. After college, my first job was doing soil and groundwater sampling uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Turns out I hated that. That was not for me for a lot of different reasons, but I knew it, knew it just wasn't where I wanted to take my career. So I did that job for a year and then ended up moving to, to New England and started supporting Eversource Energy in a staff augmentation role, doing environmental permitting, uh, mostly in terms of wetlands and endangered species uh, on the power lines, on the transmission and distribution lines. So I did that for six years uh, with Eversource. Well, actually, I, did envir- I was with Eversource for six years. I did environmental permitting for four of those years. After that, I decided I wanted to take my career in the direction of sustainability. So less environmentally focused, more sustainability holistically focused. So I was with Eversource, um, their sustainability team, for about two years, which has now led me to um, EPRI. I started, I joined EPRI in October of last year. EPRI is an independent, objective, nonprofit energy research, development, and deployment institute. We've got offices around the world and work with more than 450 companies in 45 countries driving innovation to ensure the public has clean, safe, reliable, affordable, um, and equitable access to energy across the globe. Specifically for me, I'm a principal sustainability analyst, and I work across the Strategic Sustainability Science Research Program and Equitable Decarbonization Interest Group. I lead research efforts focused on developing tools and resources that can be applied to advance corporate sustainability and equity efforts um, and initiatives for energy companies. So kind of the research end of the work that I used to be doing at Eversource. So it's taken some twists and turns, but I think that high school Deanna would be really kind of happy with with where I am now. That's great. That's really cool. 
And you are also doing some graduate work too, right? Yeah, I just finished my master's last month uh, through UConn, Master's of Science in Energy and Environmental Management. So I did one class at a time for four and a half years. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was a long grind, but I am officially done. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. Thanks. Why did you want to do the graduate degree? In undergrad, it seemed like my professors really encouraged me to pursue grad school. And my internship at NOAA was a very research-focused internship. And I was kind of deciding, like, do I want to go into a career in academia? And ultimately, I decided that wasn't for me just because I felt like it was just really far removed from, like, making change. It seemed like I would write really long papers and work really hard. And these papers would sit on a dusty shelf and um, not apply to the industry. So I decided, table that thought for now, and let's let's start start a career. And then I found myself, I was like three years into my career, and it's just, I, I wanted more. I was like, I've always wanted more education. This is always something I've seen for myself. And then I found a, a program that, you know, fit my needs in terms of part-time online. I was able to do it in a way that my company could cover the bill, which was a huge incentive. So it's just something I always saw myself doing. And I think it added a lot in terms of the the focus on energy, taught me more about the grid and FERC and took a lot of environmental law classes. So it just felt like the right move for me for a bunch of reasons. And Abby, I know that you're, you had a dual degree in school and you did professional writing. And now you do a lot of writing, <laughs> sounds like. <laughs> but was that the reasoning behind that because you knew it would be helpful in a career, future career? Or did you just really like writing and you wanted to combo that with your engineering degree? It's not because I liked writing. It's because I thought I was really bad at it. So when I was signing up for coursework as a senior in high school, creating my schedule for freshman year in college, I forced myself to take a writing class because I knew no matter what career I ended up in, I was going to have to communicate effectively with others. So I signed up for that class. It turns out all of the writing classes in high school were linked to literature. And so a lot of the times all we were writing about was literature and not technical subject matter. So I got to WPI. And all of our writing courses were focused on technical writing, writing about subject matter that interested me a lot more. So I actually enjoyed it a considerable amount more. And it was a lot about earning really complicated topics into concise reports or summaries that a lay person could understand. And that interested me a heck of a lot more. So WPI places heavy emphasis on making sure that its engineers are well-rounded. So they do require several humanities requirements. So at first, I continued on in the writing coursework just to fulfill that requirement. But I had several very influential professors at, in the humanities department at WPI who kept encouraging me to continue on with that coursework. So then they uh, wrote me into pursuing a minor at first in professional writing and then eventually convinced me that I should just go and go ahead and get the full-blown major yeah. in professional writing, which was a bit, a bit of an undertaking because WPI requires you to do a, a senior thesis project type of work at the end of your course. And I had to do two of those to fulfill the requirements for both majors. So that was a bit challenging. But I think ultimately it was definitely worthwhile to have gone through that coursework. I use that degree every day since yeah. 
Epsilon's product is written reports. So every day I am I am writing content. That's incredible. That um, I hadn't thought about the fact that it would be technical writing. Like it's totally different than high school. You're all you do is literature, you know, day in day out, and refocusing that on technical writing and how to communicate with the public. Wow, is that a powerful skill set to have? And it's funny we. I recorded an episode on um, ESG uh, sort of like career options in the ESG space and what's kind of going on. It's environment, social governance, and uh, it's sort of like a way for a company to talk about its impact in environmental, social, and governance stuff. But anyway, the person that I interviewed, his he was saying, you know, if you're interested in working in this career, really any career, you need to be able to communicate and write well. And that's exactly what WPI was able to give to you, which is incredible. So talking a little bit more about sort of professional accreditations, I know that, Abby, you are an actual PE professional engineer, and I believe Deanna might have some letters after your name, too, maybe? Uh, None that relate to my uh, professional career. I'm also a a CrossFit coach. I have CFL1 and CFL2 behind my name, but I don't put those in my signature. Yeah, you don't put those. I was thinking that there was (laughs) sort of something there, but um, that is still cool, and I still think that's very valuable. (laughs) Because that means you know how to communicate with people, you know how to like coach people. That's a that's a big deal too. So yeah, um, public speaking skills, right? Public speaking skills, which is hugely important. Actually, this sort of new push for environmental justice, you have to be able to do outreach. You have to be able to talk to people. You have to be able to communicate your project, the pros and the cons, or whatever, to a, an audience of people and be able to do that well. So that's a huge, hugely important thing. When it comes to professional engineer, you felt like that was something that you needed to pursue for your career. That was something Epsilon asked you to do. That's something you knew that you would want in the future. Where where did that come from, Abby? When I was initially applying for jobs after college, several of the jobs that I was interested in applying for were with federal state agencies as environmental chemical engineers, and they all require you to obtain your PE or at least your EIT within a certain time frame following college. So I always anticipated pursuing that as I was searching for jobs. I kind of knew that as a chemical engineer in the environmental space that it was more likely than not that I would need to have my license. Uh, At Epsilon, if I had stayed in the air quality group, permit applications to like mass DEP, a lot of those permit applications do require a stamp from a PE. Now that I am in the offshore wind space, which is three mile, beyond three nautical miles from shore in federal waters, there's actually no licensing requirement. There's no licenses that are issued by state. So you're beyond state waters. There's actually no PE licenses for federal waters. So I don't, I don't need to stamp anything at, at this time. But it's still great to have that kind of skill set and license in, in my back pocket. Yeah. Requirements ever do change or if I need to do something in terms of um, air permitting limited to the state. Yeah. That's interesting that once you get into federal waters, you don't need a PE anymore. <laughs> it's like I, it becomes more important because it's federal, but also less important somehow. There's still, don't get me wrong, yeah. there's still aspects of offshore yeah. wind construction and development that require a PE stamp, but just yeah. the permit applications that we're submitting to the federal government do not require it. Um, but I'm still really grateful to have that license under my belt. So when you were in college and you had, you know, your friends who were in the similar degree programs, do you find that when you think about where they are now, are they all in a very diverse place? Are they all sort of similarly working where you guys have found places for yourselves? 
be curious to hear, you know, you graduated with, with peers. Where did they end up with the very similar degrees that you had? Deanna, you know, did you, have you tracked any of your friends and where they've landed? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty across the board. Uh, some of us stayed in, in the environmental sustainability field. Uh, some people went off in, in completely different directions, healthcare, sales, MBA, kind of, kind of across the board. That's interesting because I would think a natural resources degree, at least from 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 that perspective, you would tend to find a lot of people going into, oh, I, I now do field work for XYZ company or I now work for the state doing their, you know, um, endangered species work or something like that. So, yeah. 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 There And there are definitely those um, who work for um, wildlife resource commissions or consultants doing uh, wetland delineations or people like me in sustainability. But there are also some of my friends who I still keep up with who are like in healthcare now. What about you, Abby? You're all chemical engineers, so. <laughs> uh, well, chemical engineers can work in quite a diverse set of industries. I actually did follow a chemical engineer, my TA or grader, works at Epsilon with me. He's how I found out about Epsilon. So I do have a peer who is a chemical engineer who I work with on a pretty frequent basis. Um, but several of my friends, some of them went into petrochemical industry. There's a heavy bio pharma industry around Worcester. So a lot of them went into that. With chemical engineering, you can go into food and beverage, um, manufacturing and processing. I know several friends who are doing that. It's pretty diverse. I think most did not end up in the environmental field. I took a lot of coursework at WPI that was geared towards environmental engineering. So I had a concentration actually in environmental engineering. So that's what kind of led me to the more environmental side. And I and I always knew that I wasn't all that interested in working for oil and gas uh, right. down south or right. <laughs> didn't quite align with my, my values and ideals. So I was definitely more focused on the uh, environmental side of things. And when I was applying to jobs, I was interested in, you know, wastewater and drinking water treatment. Uh, more of that field. Did you, either of you have a sense of the industry that you're in now when you were in college? Because I think that sometimes the engineering consulting world or sort of the energy consulting world, both both places are sort of under the radar a little bit of most undergraduate students. Um, so, I mean, maybe because of where WPI is, Abby, you'd have more more of a sense of that, or, or maybe it came from your professors, but I'd just be curious to know what you thought you knew about this industry, if anything. Well, one of my professors, Professor Kumitek, actually works with Epsilon. So he had brought some of that real world experience from the okay. consulting industry to our coursework. So that's how I got exposed to it primarily. Um, that wasn't until later in my career in college. So earlier, like freshman and sophomore year, I, I don't think I really had consulting on my radar. It wasn't until I had uh, coursework with that professor where I realized there was a different different path that I could follow. And I was definitely more interested in that path and working for a smaller company like Epsilon. Obviously, um, having talking to my former grader, at a, it was at homecoming of all things. Uh, asking him what he ended up doing with his chemical engineering degree. And he started to describe his work at Epsilon. And I was like, wow, that sounds really cool. It sounds like where I would like to go. So I aggressively pursued an internship with Epsilon, even though they right. were actually offering them at the time. So <laughs> that's how I ended up 
getting my foot in the door at Epsilon. Um, but it was really just from that conversation with an alumni who had come back at homecoming. Yeah. That really changed kind of the tra- trajectory of my career, which that's is great. Incredible to think about. Well, good for you for such a yeah. Good for you for pursuing an internship when it one does it didn't exist. I mean, always just ask and see if people will say yes. You know. What about you, Deanna? When you were in um, a natural resources degree, what were what were your professors talking about? What were people thinking about in terms of careers? I definitely didn't think of of myself in the energy career. It was not on my radar at all. There was a lot of talk about like uh, consulting, wetland delineations, or like state government, EPA, federal government, or like academic route research, um, soil science, that kind of thing. I really didn't think of, I, I didn't, I mean, I knew that energy companies existed, but I didn't realize that they hired people with my background to do the things that I would eventually end up doing for energy companies. I was at a I think it was called the Sustainable Energy Summit, um, organized by Eversource and Yukon last fall. And there was a gentleman there and he said something that kind of stuck with me about when you graduate in five, don't worry too much about your first job because in five years you're going to have a job that you didn't even know was a job. And that was definitely the case for me. I didn't even know that you can do what I'm doing now and that there were careers like this. So yeah, not on my radar at all. That's a really interesting thing to say for students like don't worry about your first job I think I think you can stress out about that you can stress yeah, out about your sure. first job like oh no like what if it's not the right thing yeah the the advice I give is try to get in the same zip code of your of your passions of your interests it's okay if it's not exactly your dream job for your first job but get in the zip code oh I like that that's good yeah did you did either of you specifically pursue sort of extracurricular opportunities in college that you thought would help you in a future career? I'm thinking about um, maybe certain clubs or as you did, Abby, you you really wanted a specific internship. Um, Maybe, Deanna, did you have an internship where you were like, this is, well, you did. You had your NOAA one. You had a couple of different opportunities, but maybe just reflections on pursuing some of those things and, and what you gained out of those experiences. Deanna, we can start with you. Yeah, so I did did undergraduate research, um, but and, and I had an internship at NOAA and stuff. But I think the honestly the biggest thing that impacted me uh, in college from an extracurricular perspective, um, it's called the Ambassador Program. NC State is divided into colleges, and all the colleges had ambassadors. So I was in the College of Natural Resources, and then I was involved with the Ambassador Program from my sophomore year on. We were pretty much kind of glorified rec- student recruiters, like we would plan. <laughs> admitted students day for high school students and we'd be involved in the open house and give tours but what was huge for me is that just the soft skills like I learned networking like we would have mix and mingles with students and I would go up to students and tell them about my major and I would serve on panels and answer questions about where to buy books what what dorm should I live in all, all sorts of stuff and at the time, I didn't really, I thought of it like a little as professional development because we talked about like interview skills and things like that. But I was involved mostly just because I loved my major and I loved my field. And I just wanted to like to share that with high school students. But looking back now, that what I gained from it in terms of interview skills, ability to think on my feet, networking, being able to talk to people, like it, it was huge for me. And I also met what, uh, met my wife there. So got a special place in my heart well that's that's very good too <laughs> that's a very nice additional um benefit but i think as you were talking about what you had to do in my head i'm thinking like wow that is an incredible opportunity to learn about 
how to network and talk to people you don't know, how to be on a panel, what it's like to take questions from people. That is a huge like yeah, it, benefit. It, cha- it changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> sort of like it's sort of like forcing yourself to take a professional writing class and then realizing that, oh, actually, I'm being I really I'm actually I like this and I should explore more and then people encouraging you, Abby, to like keep going with it. So <laughs> I know, Abby, you did the professional writing double major um, and you got your internship at Epsilon, you know, thinking about all those things and maybe other things that you did. Do you have anything similar to Deanna where you're like, I did this thing and I was like, wow, I can't believe how beneficial that was. I did work at WPI's writing center and ultimately became the head writing tutor. So in the first few years working at the writing center, that was working with a lot of English language learners, helping them revise their reports and, and things like that. So that definitely helped me in terms of giving constructive feedback to people, helping them improve their their writing. That's something I do on a daily basis as we're working on creating reports at Epsilon. But as I moved into a head tutor role, it was less actually tutoring and more uh, scheduling all the writers, all the all the tutors assisting with payroll. So I think a lot of those skills have been really helpful as I take on more project management roles at Epsilon. Most of my extracurriculars uh, at WPI were not towards my profession. They were towards my passions. I swam uh, at WPI. So that was a considerable time commitment, really enforced uh, discipline. There was no staying up past midnight working on homework because we had to get up at 4.30 a.m. for practice. I think I spent a lot of times more hours in the pool than I did actually in in class. So that was a a major time commitment. I was also in a sorority, a member of a few engineering um, honor societies as well. I think in large part, the connections that you form through those extracurriculars can be just as important. In terms of networking, you know, as you're trying to find jobs at the end of your collegiate career, it's a lot of times who you happen to know and and having a large network through a diverse set of extracurriculars can really help um, form those connections and find out about other opportunities, job opportunities that you might not have been aware of. And even to this day, having that network of, of colleagues or of peers on social media, on LinkedIn, I think is is really valuable too. That's a nice reflection of just no matter what you participate in in college, those connections are going to come, you know, are going to be beneficial to you in the future in lots of different ways, personally, professionally. You never really know. I think we've covered a lot of, about your sort of career paths and your educational opportunities. So I think we can wrap with, with the final question. So um, I ask all of our guests on the podcast, what is capturing your attention this week? And it it can be anything at all. So, Deanna, what about you? What's capturing your attention? I'm going to go with uh, personal finance. Um, I think it's something that's that's not often talked about, especially for, you know, this, this podcast is geared towards younger people. And it's kind of just like, I don't know, not a focus. But I think it's really important to, to capitalize on this high-yielding compound interest decade Max out that 401k, open up that Roth, uh, open up that Roth IRA. You sound very knowledgeable, but that we'll have to pick your brain about that. <laughs> it's all from my wife, but I'm getting yeah. there. There you go. <laughs> what about you, Abby? What's capturing your attention this week? Continuing to make time for your passions outside of your career. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so right now I'm I'm gonna say on this podcast, so it really forces me to do it. I'm got it. I'm <laughs> signing up for a the VT50. It's a 50 mile mountain bike race uh, that I plan to train for uh, for the next several months, and it raises money for Vermont Adaptive. So I think you know your career is really important, but it's also important to hold on to those passions outside of work and make sure that you keep time for those passions outside of work. Sounds good. I know you can do it. You can take some time to train for the mountain bike race. I would never on my life want to do that. It freaks me out, the thought of being on a bike and a trail. No, thank you. So I applaud that you are interested in that. That is great. <laughs> um, well, thank you both for taking the time. I know that you're both incredibly busy. You got a lot going on. Um, I appreciate that you were able to take some time out of your out of your day to to participate. And um congratulations on the Ascending Leader Award. And looking forward to like staying in touch with you guys and seeing what happens with your careers as we move forward. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I think it was a great reflection on how education can drive a career, but also how a career can really take shape on its own. So through connections that you make or opportunities that you find outside of, you know, say the major that you choose or your decision to pursue a graduate degree. You'll find links from the discussion in the show notes, as well as a link back to our website, ebcne.org. Please interact with the podcast on whatever platform you're listening, like, rate, review. That interaction really does help get out the word more widely. Join me back here in two weeks. This is going to be a really interesting episode for you on atmospheric rivers, something I know very little about and I'm really looking forward to learning about. So I hope you tune in. Energy Environment Economy is a production of the Environmental Business Council of New England. Thank you to EBC Administrative Coordinator Stephanie Sukar for editing the episode and managing the branding and marketing, and to EBC Fall Intern Hayden Adair for his research and wordsmithing. Music is only forward by Roman Senek Music 2023.